Hi, I'm Clement Liu. Welcome to Season 4 of Just Sustainability. After we recorded for their episodes on Season 3 of Just Sustainability, Liz Thompson suggested that it might be fun for them to interview me for the show. I agree that it might be a good way to start Season 4, it would be a good way to reflect upon what I've learned through the process of creating this podcast. To keep things consistent with other episodes, I should start by introducing myself. I teach environmental studies and am the student success coordinator in the Office of Equity, Diversity, and Intercultural Programs at the University of Minnesota Morris. I'm also an educator and a member of the Faculty Leadership Council of the Institute of the Environment, and I'm a member of the board of the Southwest Regional Sustainable Development Partnerships within the University of Minnesota system. Finally, I'm one of the creators and the primary host of the Just Sustainability podcast, which is in many ways a distillation of my broader work. I spend most of my professional life talking to folks about and working to promote equitable sustainability. Much of those efforts also involve trying to shift the conventions and practices of research universities in the hopes of making them become better at serving communities. On that note, let's get this party started. Yeah, so I've got some questions, and I don't know, like, do you want to uh, do you kind of an intro, or do you want me to sort of do an intro? Or oh, No, I mean, so however you want to do it. So uh, I thought the, the fun thing, I mean, I think the fun idea is if, you know, I'm just entirely the guest on an episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so however you want to do it. Okay. <laughs> um. So hi, everybody. My name is Liz Thompson. I use they, them, their pronouns. I have been a fortunate interviewee with Dr. Clement Liu on the Just Sustainability podcast a few months ago. However, today the tables are turned. And as we are colleagues at the University of Minnesota Morris, there was a time when we were talking probably just casually in the hallway and I asked him, has anyone ever interviewed him? And especially as now there's been a few seasons and just like a time of reflection. And so I did find Clement, uh, mm-hmm. the, the episode zero from 2021, um, where you were interviewed. And so I did listen to that. And so... And here we are today, and just really glad. And I think I got some some good questions for you. Okay, yeah, I'm excited to answer questions. It's sort of fun being the person being interviewed. Yes, <laughs> although I think there might there might be a bit pressure on both sides. So it's uh, yeah, the flipping of the no, it's not the flipping of the the I don't know what tables happen. Something turning <laughs> the turning of the tables. Yes, yes, the tables have been turned. <laughs> yes, so. Well, with that, uh, my first question is, thinking back now from the different seasons and where you first started, mm-hmm. what are you most proud of regarding the podcast? Oh, that's a, uh, hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I've not thought about that. Uh, let's see. I mean, there's certainly things that I'm really pleased about. So, like, I am really pleased at the guests that have been on it, like, uh, right, like, uh, so many of them are friends. So, you know, um, uh, but some of the guests I didn't know, and I just sort of like cold emailed, like, Hey, will you be on the show? And everybody was super willing to be on the show. And then like people 
really took a lot of time to like chat with me in like in depth and like be really like vulnerable and open about you know the in their answers for the questions I've had. So I'm really pleased about that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also really pleased about sort of the. I'm really pleased about the broad uh, breadth of guests I've had. I think I've had uh, people on the show who have answered questions and talked about their experiences and like reflected and like thought very deeply about like equity and sustainability from a really broad range of disciplinary and like uh, right kind of like work backgrounds as well as like sort of identity backgrounds. And uh, yeah, like just there's been a really broad range of like difference represented in the guests all people who are working in kind of very broadly speaking the same sorts of problems but like from very different directions and like different backgrounds and different experiences and different perspectives and so uh, i think there's like a, a really rich repository maybe of uh views and ideas about equity and sustainability so i'm really pleased about that um let's see Anything else I'm super pleased about? I mean, I think the conversations have also been very good, right? Like, I've really enjoyed them. Uh, I think I've learned a ton from those conversations. So I would presume that for folks who listen, that, you know, that it's likely a rich resource for them as well. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I've learned a ton making it. So I'm assuming that people who are listening are also learning a ton. Yeah. Yeah. Those would be the three things I would list. I was also just reflecting and thinking about even the name of the podcast. And I don't remember hearing earlier from you, but. How it happened? Yeah. And also if you had thought about other names. Uh, Yeah. So it actually, um, it took me, well, it wasn't even me who came up with the name. So like, uh, so when this project so this project started as part of uh the educators program with the institute in the environment when i applied to be an educator uh my application didn't have a clear project it just had sort of a, a broad project outcome which was i wanted to, to create uh, a, a really accessible toolkit for folks who are thinking or working on equity and sustainability like so that wasn't kind of you know behind academic paywalls and barriers that was uh, not like aimed at a particular discipline or area of work. Um, and that was, uh, you know, uh, that people that like anyone can pick it up and listen, then like learn from it. Um, mm-hmm. and, but I didn't know what I was going to do. And then like accidentally with talking with uh, Peter Levin, who was a graduate, uh, graduate student working at uh, the IONI and uh, Beth Mercer Taylor, who I think her, title has something like director of like outreach or something like she runs the educators program we were just like kind of chatting um before a meeting so we were on it was a zoom meeting that was going to be a bunch of people but we just happened to be the first three people in the zoom room and we were just chatting uh about like you know what it was like being in covid isolation because this was like well like not covid isolation covid lockdown Great, because this was uh, it might have must have been like April or May of 2020 when like things are still largely locked down. Like it wasn't the the really like it wasn't that initial six weeks of everything being closed, but it was still that period where um, essentially everything was closed. Like restaurants were still closed. Uh, you really couldn't 
go to like any stores that weren't grocery stores and even grocery stores were like, you know, um, a little weird. Uh, and so, you know, we would all, we were all kind of reflecting on the, the isolation we we're feeling and that, uh, we were all enjoying podcasts because there was like, it felt like participating in random conversations. And then that's what gave me the idea of like, Hey, maybe the toolkit I, I want to do is a podcast because, you know, it feels like it was a moment that people were enjoying that sort of medium for like, the communication of information. I listen to podcasts quite a lot, so I like them. And it was a, it was a, a format that struck me as one that would be really good for uh, collecting ideas and like inviting people to reflect uh, in a way that was organic and accessible. Um, yeah. And, and so, you know, started making the podcast, but then couldn't think of a name. And then I was in another meeting this time. It was the, with some of the people from the Aishi's, uh like uh advisory council uh who like a, a working group of the the advisory council it was the the DEI working group of the Aishi's advisory council and Aishi's the association for the advancement of sustainability in higher ed and uh you know we were all talking about the things we were working on while we were on lockdown and uh i mentioned that i was creating a new podcast but i, I couldn't think of a name for it and it was Nina Morris um where I don't know sure where Nina Morris is now, but Nina was one of the other members of the that working group. Uh, she just said, you know, it sounds like uh, right, like you're talking about uh, just sustainability, and like she like the sort of the pun, the double entendre, like right, like it's about justice and sustainability, but like because equity is such a core part of sustainability that like right, like you know they're not really separate. And so it's just sustainability to talk about justice and sustainability. And then um, uh, we thought that was a great idea and like really liked it, but then uh, realized that um, it's a term that's coined by uh, a specific person. Julian Adjuman wrote, uh, is written a lot about like his idea of just sustainabilities where, um, right. Thinking about how one might pursue sustainability in a socially just way or in socially just ways, right? There's multiple ways, multiple sustainabilities depending on community. And so, um, yeah. And then, so I felt like I needed to ask him whether it was okay if I use the name just sustainability for my podcast, since it was a sort of a, a term that he coined. And so I emailed him to ask if it was okay. And not only did he agree that it was okay, he agreed to be on the show, which is why he was, I think he was on the show in the, I can't remember the first or second season, but like one of the early seasons, um, yeah. And so that's sort of the story. It was just, didn't know what to call it. Uh, talking to random people as I often do. And then someone came up with a brilliant idea that they were, uh, gracious enough to, to just let me run with. And then, uh, I, again, uh, talking to someone else about it and then them being gracious enough to give me permission to use it. And not only that, to participate in the project. Great. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I definitely, I don't remember hearing the backstory. So it sounds, as I'm not surprised, also from working with you, it sounds very collaborative and also creative and also in some ways kind of haphazard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, um, yeah, uh, that actually, uh, right, like reflecting on descriptions of the way I approach work. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. I enjoy a bit of a haphazardness and to see what 
comes with the unexpected, right? I often find the things that I didn't plan for and are unexpected become the sort of the the most wonderful things. Uh, and yeah, I, I try to work in ways that are collaborative and uh, with uh, teams uh, with friends because uh, I think it's more fun to work like that. And I think it also generates better work. I find anything I produce on my own is not going to be as good as something I produced with uh, friends, right? Because uh, the ideas that come in when there's a group of like very talented people working together, there's going to be right more interesting and more fun than any ideas that someone can generate on their own. It's cool to look back at the Just Sustainability podcast and to take a moment to think about two things that I hadn't really thought about. The origins of the show, as well as the things I'm pleased about when it comes to it. It was really cool to take a moment to remember how we came up with the name Just Sustainability and to reflect upon all the things I've learned from the folks who've been on the show. It was even more fun to answer Liz's next questions. So thinking about the past two seasons, I was wondering uh-huh. if there were words or different descriptions that come to mind when you think about your season one and your season two. Ah, well, so I think, I don't know if there's words that distinguish the two seasons. I do think that there's some common themes that like, I think can be captured in single words. So I I think uh, relationships, uh, I think having healthy relationships built on mutual respect uh, and solidarity and desire to mutually empower. That seems to be a really core theme uh, in pretty much every conversation I've had with someone on the, the show. Like Almost everybody has talked about the importance of having and developing and nurturing um, healthy, robust human uh, relationships. Um, and not necessarily just with humans, right? Uh, it, it seems that relationships are, are deeply important. Um, another thing that I think has been a common theme is flexibility, right? It's uh, thinking about how to how to approach processes in ways that allow folks to participate in those processes in the ways that work best for them. And so it's building in flexibility in processes. Yeah. Is the second one. So relationships, healthy relationships. Yeah. Healthiness of relationships, healthy relationships, uh, flexibility in processes and procedures uh, are definitely two major themes. Um, and I think a third one is just like, uh, listening and attending as sort of the first step in building healthy relationships and in creating accessible and flexible processes, right? The importance of authentically listening to people and trying to listen to people without necessarily judging what they're saying or trying to fit what they're saying into preconceived notions of how things should be done right to like to right it, like it's sort of a, a zen idea right so like uh 
I think for people who practice like zazen, like who practice sitting, one of the things they try to do is to right mindful is to be mindful is just to to sit and to experience one's senses and perceptions without without placing judgment or you know trying to mm-hmm. categorize them or name them or to uh right to to rationalize them to like to fit them into cognitive boxes just to experience them to be and just to be trying to take right like in, to try to loosen one's attention so that one can just sort of like take in the entire gestalt of the experience mm-hmm. um and i think there's there's some element of like healthily approaching relationships and healthily thinking about processes involves some of that like that kind of zen like mindfulness when it comes to attending to other folks right to not try to filter or fit the things that folks are saying to you into the categories and sort of ways of naming and shaping and perceiving of the world that right one brings to that to like that conversation and i think that's something that's hard to do but the right it's something that people can try to do. And I think it's important to try to do when uh, thinking about relationships and processes. Yeah. I think those are the three things I would think three words, right. Uh, mm-hmm. Mindfulness relationships and flexibility or the three words I think would be the ones that I think are the most representative of uh, the, the episodes of just sustainability to date. Thanks. Also, then how has the experience either with those relationships and and working and and speaking and conversing with the the interviewees on the podcast Uh and or even just the technical side and some of the maybe the administrative side, but how has doing the podcast changed you? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely changed how I approach things, right? Like, because, um, because I have learned a lot while creating the the podcast, and like having all the conversations with, right? I guess I don't know how many people I've talked to now. It's, I think, right, including the the folks that are going to be coming out uh, on this season. I've probably talked to like thirty three people, thirty three different people who are the kind of like very thoughtful and like, uh have a ton of experience and we've done a lot of work in the area. And so from their insights, I've learned so many sort of different big and small things that have integrated into my work. So like the way I teach has changed substantially. I think that's where I notice it the most because like um, this probably speaks to kind of my bias. I've talked to a lot of folks who in one way or another uh, teach, right? So like some of them are, uh, teachers or like right like instructors at universities or like professors uh and those the ones who are are often folks are engaged in community organization or or community organizing which involves some element of uh teaching and facilitating and so i have definitely learned a lot from them so like the way i've structured the classes i teach have definitely changed in the last i guess three years now um Right, the way I think of assignments, the way I think of assessment evaluation, even the way I think about like 
structure and classroom management has completely changed, right? So like my classes now are are increasingly co-created. So like I might identify the the core learning outcomes because, uh, right, if I'm teaching class, I presume that I'm the person who's worked in the area the most and sort of like got the the best sense of what some of the questions people are are in the area are thinking about the most. Uh, and then I identify sort of the, the, the foundational like material, like the material that acts as sort of like the spine to the skeleton of the class to, so that, you know, to help set some baseline for conversation. But then a lot of the rest of it is done in negotiation with my students. Um, right. Like to the nature of the assignments, right. Like I might have, right. Like I might have the, the sort of basic objectives for like, the, the work and the, the evaluation, but the students, I work with the students to think through like the actual process of doing that for each of the students, which I admit I can only do because I teach, you know, fairly modestly sized classes. Like I think my classes are between 15 and 25 students. So like this isn't like something that would work for everybody, but it works for me because I teach those size classes. Um, yeah. So the way I teach has definitely changed. I think the way I engage in well i don't know how much it's changed the way i engage in like my other sorts of work because i think the other ways i the other kind of work i do like the advising um program planning uh has always been sort of team-based and collaborative so relationships have always been important for those i think i've thought more about flexibility right like how to make the things i work in or like I work on more flexible in terms of like how they're accessible people. Like I think I've always done some of that, but I think, I think about that much more radically now than I used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think I've definitely worked in uh, listening and attending more. Right. And I think some of this is, I, mean, I think much of that is also your influence. I think, right. Uh, your attention to evaluation and assessment. Uh, right. I've been much more mindful about integrating that. So like, and in a more serious kind of robust way, I think, you know, um, I think I ha- have the bias and inclination that I think many people in higher ed do where uh, evaluation and assessment is sometimes sort of perfunctory and just done because it it's, needs to be. And it's right something that's forced on us from people external, right? The evaluators who require us to do assessment. But then I th- think to... Uh, a lot of your influence and through um, the conversation I've had, I've really thought more about evaluation and assessment and how evaluation and assessment might be integrated in ways that uh, empower the folks that are supposed to be served our partners with the program or programming to be able to help co-create it and shape it for the future. And so, yeah, I think those are all definitely things that are clearly changed. Um, I also feel like I've gotten a little bit more comfortable public speaking. Yeah. I've always been a person that uh, has had to do public speaking, but just but never enjoyed it. And I still don't think I enjoy it, but I I, I find it less difficult now than I used to. Yeah, no, I can I can definitely relate to that. I also did not. I don't know if I still enjoy it, but it also is a big part of our our professional career and working yeah. with students and and so you kind of 
but yeah, it is, I can understand it is a little bit, at least a little bit better. Yeah. I've also come to a different sort of thought and relationship and practice with assessment. And, Mm -hmm. and so I'm glad it's also helped you and your work and how you think about things. And I also, I liked how you said a, a little bit earlier about how then, um, yeah, with the assessment of empowering and then and having then the, the people, which is typically here, are the students, you know, uh-huh. we, we organize a program, do the assessment, hopefully they take the assessment, uh-huh. and then we close the loop. And that's, I think, the final piece of it, of like closing the loop of then really analyzing the data collected, however we collect it, and then for the next program, or if it's a program that is an annual event, then we really do use that data to inform uh-huh. if we're going to do things the same or if we're going to do things differently. And um, so, yeah, in that way, you know, the, the students who participated and engaged with the program and us, they really are making an impact in the next program. Uh-huh. And so I think that that's, yeah, that's the piece that, um, does excite me. And I think it is helpful then when we also for that next program or the next year, you know, based on the feedback from last year, this is what we did differently or Uh um, because otherwise, you know, if we don't change or if we just do the survey and never look at it, um, unfortunately, then that's when people, you know, like, Oh, why am I going to do this assessment? If, nothing changes or nothing comes from it. So, uh-huh. yeah. Cause uh, right. I think that speaks to right. The, uh, I think a lot of times and in, in particularly higher ed, I mean, maybe everywhere, uh, I've mostly worked in higher ed, so I don't know. Is that, right. Assessment is something that people do because they feel like they need to, or like they do as a way to demonstrate success at something rather than as a, a tool for building the next thing. Um, mm-hmm. and, assessment is best used when it is a tool for building the next thing uh, to mm-hmm. yeah, to as a way to make programming adaptive and dynamic and live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've reached a good place to wrap up this episode of just sustainability to review. In this episode, Liz Thompson turned the tables on me, not for me an opportunity to reflect upon the first three seasons of this podcast. In the next episode, we'll return to the conversation that I had with Liz to examine at greater length the lessons that I've learned working on this show. Thank you for listening to Just Sustainability. If you've enjoyed what you heard, please support this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review. Just Sustainability is recorded with the support of the Institute in the Environment at the University of Minnesota. In particular, I want to thank Peter Levin and Beth Mercer-Taylor for all their help with this show. All the music on Just Sustainability is composed and recorded by Clifton Nesseth, and all the artwork was created by Kristen Nesseth. Thank you again for listening.